He means like the good- Jewish holidays, just so you guys know. Yeah. It's not so obvious. <laughs> the Jewish holiday of Sukkot. <laughs> Uh, Rosh Hashanah what is Sukkot? and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. <laughs> Sukkot is when yeah. you sit in uh, makeshift houses for eight days yeah. and you eat there and you have like specific kinds of ritual to again commemorate the how like the people of Israel, when they left Egypt and were in the desert for 40 days, had no uh, permanent dwelling place. So mm-hmm. again for yeah. that. But it, it somehow so, is like the most pagan of Jewish holidays. Something about like, you know, bringing in the harvest. I, I don't know. It, I, it always struck me oh, as the most pa- pa- pagan. Yeah, and, you know, like, that yeah. sounds pretty you gay. Sh- you shake the gourds <sighs> and it, like I don't know. There's the silly like rituals where you like shake vegetables at each other. Right? No, but they're, they're very specific, <laughs> specific kinds of vegetables. And trust me, if you Eight read the amount of rules, if you read the yeah. amount of laws around these vegetables, it, it, if, you, yeah. if you just knew, it would blow your mind. <sighs> like, it would blow your mind. Like you would, like, yeah. th- th- can you pick this vegetable if it's from a Jew's field that was stolen by by a non-Jew? Mm. What's the answer? Could you pick it? Could you pick it? Survey says. Uh, the answer is uh, that you can pick it, but only if you're a seller that would sell it to someone else, because mm. then they will not have stolen. It will not be considered a stolen vegetable, the way you call it. Oh, you have to uh, like, and, you have to, you have to launder it, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Then it, and, and that's and then just it's... a small single thing. We didn't even get to the vegetable <laughs> itself and what it should look like and like there's a bu- and yeah, the yeah. reasoning the re- they have to find reasons for this whole thing yeah, yeah. in things that matter in things that the Torah that matter like metaphysical principles. So think about it. Just as these little things on on the plant find the meta- metaphysical principle that justifies this particular thing. It's you know genius. I'm telling you. I, I, just- I like the idea of laundering purity. Like, Insane like, geniuses there. Like, ter- <laughs> like doing an impure act to turn something impure into the pure. Uh, I mean, yeah, right. that's most of their jobs, the rabbis, you know, because <laughs> you have to adapt. Sorry. Speaking uh, of which, go back Larry David is a Jew. Everyone, welcome to the Five Star Tossers. <laughs> my, name is, <laughs> my name is Jake, uh, and my co-host, and someone who I, I'm, we're working through some things lately, you know, but we still really love each other, uh, I think. And uh, his name is Sagi, uh, and <laughs> we're we're talking about Jew, Judaism today, so he's gonna really be on the ball, uh, and. Uh, in, you know, in the what's a place that Jews go inside? Uh, in shul, in the, the in the, t- in the text, shul. <laughs> in uh, well, the shul, yeah, yeah on the ball, the shul in the shul, the <laughs> into the text. Okay, uh, and then we have uh, Jiggity Jack, uh, Long Ball Jackie. Uh, yeah, reference to my favorite Curb episode when Larry zips up his balls. It's a problem I have all the time, personally. 
<laughs> you, you zip your balls. Uh, yeah, that that's a motor skill. That's not about size uh, problem. It's um, it's a equally space. It's my uh, uh, it's my spatial unawareness and my uh, my anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, when we when we play tennis together, I'll, I'll help you get dressed. Okay. okay. Uh, it's his tight jeans. Uh, <laughs> okay, and we have Andrew, Andy, Mandy. Uh, lots of faces and names. Uh, Laloon, In this case, uh, Laloon, he actually yeah, yeah, he actually yeah. got his own name, Andy. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to be more assertive and to take on the identity and position of man as much as it. Uh, irks me <laughs> yeah some facial hair you know i think i think you're an alien yeah. i mean yeah i this is purely out of laziness the, the shaving but uh that's thank the you. straight so male the straight male is lazy because he's allowed to you know <laughs> okay uh, I, I i'm so happy thank you everybody for your warm welcome to all of our listeners out there wait do we know do we have one or two at this point two uh, we only have we a have confirmed two. one no uh, yeah, I, you know, Saki's understanding of the listener is that we we have to not know this person. Like, they have to not yeah. run in our crowd. So there are a few people in our crowd who listen regularly, kiss our asses. Uh, but that's not, we don't count those people as as, as listeners. Um, you know, uh, you, you know who I'm talking about. There's a signifier I didn't think about, Jake. There's a signifier I didn't think about, the kiss our okay, asses. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, however, uh, we would like to tell our one listener, uh, and those of you who, you know, are just, uh, whatever, cl- glamming onto us, you know, you can also hear this too. Uh, we are going to be talking about Larry David and Louis CK in this episode today. And we did watch Louis to think about Louis CK and we did watch Curb Your Enthusiasm to think about Larry David, but I, I, I propose this as just. The, the figures themselves, these these two men. And I proposed it around the idea of the fact that they are both assholes. And one of them, uh, Larry David, I, I believe it's not a stretch to say, is a Jewish asshole. And the other, Louis C.K., uh, is a Catholic asshole. Uh, and so we wanted to think about the way in which their humor uh, interrelates with their, I mean, I, they're both secular in relation to Judaism and Catholicism, but the way in which they relate to, to these faiths uh, and, and the way in which their comedy uh, relates to it, etc. Okay. And I have a bunch of things I want to say. I have, I also have like this whole, like extremely complex theory that I wanted to just like pretend that I completed <laughs> um, nice. before we do that. Uh, uh, Jack, Larry greater than Louis, Louis greater than Larry. Yeah, I mean, I definitely prefer Larry because I feel like, uh, just to keep it short, I feel like Larry isn't garnering a lot of sympathy in these cases. I think he knows he's uh, at fault and he's a very bad guy, his persona in the show. And admittedly, I didn't watch all of Louis. Um, but it seems to me that Louis is more about how awkward it is for middle-aged single men um, living in the world, and especially him being having an oddball job as a comedian, uh, you know, kind of not being part of, uh, I guess, a regular office or something like this. Um, 
And so in that respect, I think he tries to garner more sympathy from the audience. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there's a lot to say there. And it's, it's not just sympathy. There's, there's a way in which I feel like Louis, especially in the TV show, Louis, is trying to like say something about reality. There's, there's almost a, a sort of commentary that he wants to uh, effectuate. Uh, like, this is how life is. And it's not even part of the humor at all. Uh, it, it reminds me, like he has a will to have an artistic touch in a way that I don't think Larry could care less about. <laughs> um, and I, I mean this positively for Larry because there's this, like a famous line about Shakespeare. Like the reason Shakespeare was such a genius is because he never like tried to be artistic. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that there's a way in which Larry like fulfills that fantasy much more than Louis. Like Louis is like trying to be artistic. He's trying to create these kind of poetic mm-hmm. moments. Um, and Larry's never doing that. I mean, yeah, well, and I, I think it helps that the stakes in Curb are generally lower than in Louis. Uh, yeah. I mean, is it the whole joke about Curb is that he goes, he blows up to like an 11 over the most trivial issue. I mean, he has so much fucking money. He's so divorced from reality due to his celebrity or money that he just any minor inconvenience just sends him through the roof. Let's just really quickly describe Louis and Curb. Uh, j- just for oh, anyone. you want me to summarize the plots of Louis and Curbed? Yeah, is that I what you're love, asking? I would. I would. Don't love make you to, me Alec. do it. Oh no, please <laughs> don't make me do it. I would be hor- horrified to do it. it. I don't want to do it. If you do it, just make sure that when you describe Louis, that you say he's an old, ugly, divorced, fat piece of shit. <laughs> I think you just did. You did the work for me. So Wait, Andy, why, Andy, why be uh, redundant? Do you, do you watch Louis? Andy, did you watch Louis? I did watch Louis. How yes. much of Louis um, did you watch? I I watched about maybe 10 episodes in preparation. Okay. And I watched so, mostly season three. So don't don't summarize. Just tell us why you continued watching after the first episode. Because I couldn't. Um, that would be good yeah, enough, I, I think, uh, good enough uh, and also easy enough for you, right? How about this? How about you let me say whatever the fuck I want, Suggy? How about fucking that? <laughs> that would I be a success for me. <laughs> no, so I I tried to watch Louis years ago and I saw the, like the pilot or the second episode where the, he has the guys over there playing poker and they all start talking about being gay or they're, they're all talking about their opinions and ideas and fantasies about what being gay means to them. I, I thought it was, was insipid and stupid. I hated it. I didn't like to hear it. Uh, and very self aggrandizing and just odd, like how he's trying to be like this meek, quiet man, but somehow it's such an attention hog of a show and so overdone. And, and, and th- these are my feelings. But then I watched a few episodes recently because Jake, uh, you know, had the idea for the podcast and told me about it. And I did like I started with the Parker Posey episodes and I uh, where she plays that bookseller who turns out to be pretty psychotic. Uh, And I didn't realize then that this is a very common theme of the show, like Larry. I mean, uh, (laughs) Louis. Dealing with horrible, hysteric, uh, psychotic women. 
Which I have to say, um, my the reason why I prefer Larry to Louis is because I think Larry handles women much much better and just has is is so much more charismatic. Whereas Louis is is insufferable with women because he he can't ever put like himself out there enough or like actually go for what he wants. He's so inhibited. And pathetic, like he kind of has to make everything the woman's idea for uh, why she should be so uh, stupid to be attracted to him. You know, Larry is much more graceful about accepting how he's ugly, I think, and like what Mm -hmm. he can do with with that in his appearance. And Louis is just so annoying about his self-perception, I think. Okay, you guys, you really haven't listened to my super ego at all. Yeah, yet. sorry. Uh, we have not. Sorry. We really have not. I, I take responsibility the, for that uh, one. Right? Yeah. Who it, can, it was your They fault. know yeah. what yeah. these shows are. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> knows what Curved Enthusiasm is. Okay. Everybody knows but that, what Louis I, is. I think we should at least establish. Uh, I think Jake's some, right in this case just, because not everybody knows <laughs> fucking Louis. Like, who fucking cares about yeah, that fucking enough. show? No, yeah. and I think that we should at least establish some like distinctions about the two shows just at the level of like their setup. That, that, that's all I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Like for one thing, I think we should establish the, uh, the economic difference between the shows uh, because <laughs> I think that that's an important <clears throat> distinction. So anyways, Louis uh, is Louis CK's, uh, was it an HBO show? I don't even know what it was. Um, it's F- FX. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, in like the early teens, it was, is that when it came out? Um, sounds, I, I would guess right. something like that. And it's a show in this, like, in the vein of like Seinfeld, in the sense that Louis does stand up in the middle of the show, and then he lives his life, <laughs> and it's it is the life of an old, ugly, divorced, fat piece of shit. <laughs> There's a framing that his life is hard uh, because he's taking care of two younger daughters, and because he can't really g- get women because he's old and ugly and aging, and there's, you know, it's, it's a lot of complaining. There's a lot of like going to school, like meetings and there's a moralism running through it, which is why we wanted to talk about the Catholic asshole. I also say that the way that he uses the standup is like he interweaves it more seamlessly into the world of the, the show in the sense that it's like, sometimes he'll come off the set, like into a story, which is not something we ever see like in Seinfeld. And the other thing that I want to say, and I really do want to talk about this, is that I think that Louis' stand-up is really hilarious, uh, and that Louis the show is sanctimonious and cringe. There's some some good parts, but like it's a little try-hard and like overly there's it's overly ambitious in like its artistic desire. And, and the final thing I think we we do need to say about Louis is that Louis, of course, has been canceled uh, because he brought some young. Uh, comedians, uh, female comedians into his hotel room with him and basically coerced them uh, to let him masturbate in, in front of them. So, you know, there's there's probably listeners, not, not that they would listen to our podcast, but people who would like never listen to people taking Louis C.K. seriously. <laughs> um, I just want to put that out there. And, you know, when you watch these shows, it's about him masturbating. He, there's one episode where he goes on like Fox News with this uh, like very hot blonde chick who's like a virgin and who's like advocating that nobody should masturbate and the world would be better. And then Louis comes on as the only person willing 
to defend masturbation. <laughs> and it like, and it just like, it says underneath his title, like on the show, like masturbation expert. <laughs> and, the only person really, no woman yeah. wanted to defend masturbation. No, you know, that was, the, was like the only that was the, in the world that Louis C. That K. was the joke. He's the only one willing to just say, I like to masturbate. And, um, that's so anyway, I'm just, I'm just saying in relation Sanctimonious bullshit. to his canceling, which was about him masturbating. The show itself is about his pride yeah. in masturbating. So, you know, it's like mm -hmm. ste stepping into a stepping into. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I will also say that he's not wealthy uh, and, and, you know, like there's a sense like he's a working class comedian, uh, you know, whatever, the, you know, obviously that's not working class, but uh, he gives off that like life is hard and I'm scraping by. And, and, and that's in, in part the show of the Louis. In, in the show Louis. In the yes, show Louis. In the show Louis. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of the sanctimony of, of his character. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Sagi, curb your enthusiasm. Oh, you know, it's a harder one because uh, I was really not a fan. <laughs> but no, no, I remember some stuff. Okay. So Curry Enthusiasm, Larry David is playing basically Larry David living in, what is this, Los Angeles? You know, it looks like fucking Los Angeles. Yes, it is Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> we really gave the right person this job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, wait, I, I know some things, you know. So is it, is it Los Angeles? <laughs> 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 okay, so it's the real Larry David. He's very wealthy. He's very well off, you know, and he's very known as a celebrity. And in the show, like, you know, he gets a lot of that celebrity noise that people want is like autograph or people want to pitch him something and he needs to deal with it. And sometimes it needs to be nice and everyone has their own ideas. And um, But in the show, he's married to a non-Jewish woman, which is the fantasy of every Jewish man. Uh, like a very, very heavy shiks appeal on on this uh, on this uh, woman. Let me tell you, the yeah, square Cheryl jaw, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that square jaw. You know, there's no way that's a Jew. Very high shiks appeal. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this is how he picked her. Um, <laughs> so he lives with her. I mean, of course, like there is this tension because he is a Jewish man. She is she's Christian, and also she actually believes to some extent in in Jesus. He's not like a completely unbelieving Christian. And they also have this this black guy that lives with them with his with his family for some reason. Okay, well, let me say. Let me say. Can I do a timeout? Like, one thing. One, one last thing. One one last thing for the timeout. Okay, that's the last. This thing is a beautiful. Yeah. Yes, people yes. really let know just, what this show is about. Let me get the last five people out of the train wreck before we declare everyone else dead. Okay, uh, five people. Uh, the, every show is like something happens. Usually, something that has to do with some kind of social constraint that uh, Larry David doesn't like. And he usually blows up in some angry tirade or either like in on, on, on in the event or afterwards. And this just causes ripples of uh, ironic effects throughout the narrative and throughout each episode that kind of like, you know, drive most of the episodes forward. Uh, and but and all these situations that he gets into, you know, like are, are all these pretexts to create these things that bother him so they can go into this tirade or muffled tirade and move the story forward. I got these five people out. I, I want to add one thing to the last thing you said. Um, and, I, and I'm going to give an example. W one thing that I think Larry does is he asserts the law all the time and, and, and bickers over the law. And it's always a law that is not a law. It, it's like, 
it, it, I always show my students some ep- uh, some scenes from Curb Your Enthusiasm in my ethics class because I feel like the kind of laws he's asserting are ethical laws. Like like they're not written in stone, but there's a kind of behavioral expectation we have ethically that Larry asserts all the time. So let, let me just tell you guys, you know, one, one classic example. He's, he's waiting in line uh, to get ice cream. And there's a woman in front who's like sampling the ice cream. And she ends up like sampling like seven different ice creams. And Larry is like behind her being like, oh yeah, try another one. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, try it. No, there's no one behind you. Yeah, try it. And then, like, and then he, he, he comes up to her and calls her a, a, a sample abuser. Uh, you know, you're a real sample abuser. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Because I think one of the jokes, the reason why Kirby Enthusiasm works so well is that there is a sense that people agree with the laws that he asserts most of the time. There are some times where it seems like he's being just ridiculous, but like that one, I think everyone would agree. Yeah, you can't take seven ice cream samples when there's a line behind you. and But there's something about his willingness to face the person, call them out, tell them what they're doing wrong. That makes him seem like an asshole. Like I always ask my students, like, do you agree with Larry in this scene? And they're always like, yes. And, but then they all say that they would never do what he does. They would never face someone and call them out for that. You know? So there is this sense of him asserting the law where there's not really a law. And, and I think that's part of the joke. And it's also something I want to compare to Louis because I think the two of them have a very different relation to the law. And I think that we can think about Judaism and Catholicism, Christianity in relation to that. I, I, I have uh, just one more. Yeah. Okay. For Curb? I, I was going to tell one more Curb story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, go ahead. Go I, ahead. Sorry. I, yeah. I thought you were going yeah, also because I, 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 just we all thought, just tell our favorite curb yes, stories. I, I think that would be great. So I just want to tell one more, and then, and then, and then, Andy, you should tell your your favorite. So the other one that I really love is when this woman who uh, has been losing some weight tells Larry not to let her eat cake uh, after dinner. Okay, and 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 she says no matter what. Okay, and after dinner. She goes to eat some cake and Larry like stops her hand and he's like, no, no, no. And she's like, no, no, Larry, you know, I want to eat the cake. It's okay. <laughs> and he's like, nope, you said no matter what. This is the no matter what. <laughs> and, and she's like, Larry, come on. And like, they literally start getting in like a wrestling match because he's so insistent that he like lives up to this law that he contracted with this woman. Um, so I don't know, like the humor of that, right? Like, right. Like Larry did the right thing, right? It's because she was said no matter what. And he was really trying to assert the law that she gave him. So I, I feel like, yeah, anyways, it, it's a good way to think about like how the jokes play out with Larry is th- this arbitrary law. He, he asserts it like to its death. And there's something about its arbitrariness, but also there's a sincerity in relation to it that, that makes it charming. So, okay. Uh, Andy, please. My favorite curved moment has to be the one where um, he and Larry break. Um, they, they, he and Larry? You know, who and Larry? Who's he? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff. Larry's <laughs> manager. Jeff. Yeah. yeah. He and Jeff. They, yeah, his his agent. 
they um they break or they lose Jeff's daughter's doll. Oh, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and and when they return from like giving this doll and some sort of like Faustian bargain he's making or like to, to get out of some other indiscretion he did, he they when they return to Susie's house, um Jeff and Susie's house, Susie's waiting outside for them. And she just has her hands on her hips and there's this like cowboy Western music playing in the background while she's staring death at them. <laughs> and when they come out, she just screams like, you fat fucks, you bald fucks. Like, what did you do to my doll, to the doll? It just starts, I, I love this moment in the show. Every time there's a Susie episode, I get really excited. Um, yeah, well, yeah Susie is, is the, sh- the shrill like uh, other like law asserting figure in the uh right in, she's in show. often yeah. sparing yeah. with with sparring with larry yeah. over like who really has right to the law i think well, she's yeah, the jewish like, one side of, <clears throat> she's the yeah. jewish one yeah. well she says a number of times like nobody knows your dumb fucking rules larry like, yeah. like i feel like she's she says that like all the time yeah <laughs> but she'll uh, but she will also have a few dumb fucking rules of her own yeah that yeah. he'll call her out on. It's a very even contest, which mm-hmm. is, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. She's his Jewish wife. No, I, I saw them together. Like the, the, their dynamic. It's exactly like, you know, like uh, the cliche uh, Jewish uh, husband and wife. And do you remember how Larry fantasizes about Susie? What he sees in fantasy when he thinks about oh, her. Oh, I didn't sexually. see that episode. No. <clears throat> she plays a dominatrix in his mind oh, and yeah, wears naturally. a black leather corset and wants to whip him and yeah. everything. No swastika. So, yes, you're right. <laughs> Jewish wife. Yeah. <laughs> Sagi, I think you, you have, you, you're, yeah. you got something ready for us. Yeah. Okay. My intro, you know? <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Please tell us. Uh, also, you know, like maybe you should, maybe you should put in the beginning, you'll see according to the content, because this is also the trigger warning for this, uh, episode for this podcast. The thing is that, uh, we're going to be discussing these, you know, entertainers, these people and their works. Uh, the discourse is going to be supplied by them. That means that within each one with Louis CK, we will use his discourse to talk about him. And with Larry David, I will use his discourse to talk about him. But the discourses you will notice will become very different. And I wanted to make sure that uh, at least, you know, to uh, apologize in advance to Louis C.K. that his discourse demands a far more invasive, far more, in my mind, uh, humiliating intervention than Larry David, because Larry David, there is a kind of a wall there, an emotional wall. Uh, but with Louis C.K., he brings you into his business. That's all he does is brings you into his business. And I wanted to talk about that. He uses it. Uh, he uses it both with his audience and with the, with the show towards himself. So I will maybe, um, I will definitely talk about that jerking off in front of girls he has power over or women he has power over. Definitely talk about that. But I wouldn't talk about that if he himself wasn't uh, already um, activating, employing that, pressing that button already. So that's the only reason why his discourse would be far more like personal and like, you know, offensive than with Larry David. 
but that's just because of the way that they use their entertainment or what they need it for, I think. I also think the way Louis does expose himself, make himself vulnerable, is part of this confessional Catholicism in him. And for sure. also part of what makes the show sanctimonious. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, one of the things that I really want to think about with Louis is why his standup is so much better than the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, I would have this like large like thesis and I, I don't want to like, I, for some reason I don't want to say it right now, but my thesis is this. The Catholic asshole is better at telling jokes than the Jewish asshole. The Jewish asshole is better at performing a comic sequence than the Catholic asshole. So this whole thesis would demand, and I will do this at some point, that I distinguish between a comic sequence and a joke, and then I that we distinguish between the Jewish asshole and the Catholic asshole, and then we think about the different ways that they orient themselves towards jouissance, uh, towards satisfaction, uh, in relation to the joke and the comic sequence. But if I could just say it simply, okay? The Jewish asshole holds on to their jouissance, <laughs> keeps it alive. And so that is very effective for a sequence, a comic sequence. Whereas the Catholic asshole, the jouissance is always out of reach. It's, it's always just popping <laughs> in, and humiliating them like in the way that they can never attain it, that they're clamoring after it, that, it, that, it's, it, that it's never theirs and, and they feel the shame of, of the way that it, 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 they can never access it. And so that is more conducive for like just the popping of a joke rather than the experiential sort of investment and like controlling of jouissance uh, that a, a Jewish asshole is capable of. And, and I just think there's nothing better just to think about this before I maybe go in more details than the fact that Larry's has that kind of like sweeping intensity that grows and grows and grows like uh, of his anger that you, you follow and, and you, you know, and it does, it does curdle over into, I think people watch Larry and start to get annoyed and stressed out in the, in those moments. Um, but it, it has this momentum where he's, he's keeping it and, and he doesn't break it into this sadness. He doesn't, or, or, or just explode it into like a punchline. Uh, and so th that's my, my general thesis. And I will just say that another great Jewish momentum building, uh, comedian asshole is, um, Gene Wilder, w like with, with his, like, oh, my friend Paul does this so well, but like, it's, you know, it's like, it's the rhythm, like going and rowing, rowing and going, going and going, and he keeps going like up and up and up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, that, that, this is like a large thesis that I just threw together, but like it, it actually came out more eloquent than I thought. So. <laughs> um, uh, I want but, to say yeah. one thing that resonated with me, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. but only one thing, but I need to think about yeah. like uh, the general. Okay, wait, I, I, I have an intervention that maybe we could do just to move forward. Well, can we say just, just why <clears throat> just why Larry Larry's a Jew an asshole and why Louis an asshole? Can, mm -hmm. can we just establish that? Do you want to do Larry? I mean Larry's obvious. I think like Larry's like a proud asshole. I, I think Louis is actually harder to describe why Louis is an asshole. I, I I like 
and 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 that's <coughs> because Larry is just an asshole. Like he he just gets in people's face and he yells at them. Like and everyone tells him he's a fucking asshole. Yeah, because Louis is mean, an I asshole have... that keeps redeeming himself. You know. Okay. okay, I I I actually have a scene where Louis is called an asshole. Okay, so and, and I think this is like a good example of why Louis is an asshole. So. Um, he's talking to this uh, white waitress at, at the comedy cellar, which is like where he's doing his stand up all the time. And she's saying she's not going to g- get a tip because she's waiting only tables with, with black people. And Louis tells her, oh, that's really racist of you to say. And, you know, so like Louis has this moralizing kind of like instinct, which is, you know, pathetic. And, and then he's moralizing with her, making her feel bad about herself. And a black waitress comes up and he's, and she's like, what are you guys talking about? And Louis's like, yeah, you know, she's saying she's at these black tables and she's not going to get tipped. And I think it's really racist. And the black woman's like, you know, she says like the N word and she's like, they never tip. Everybody knows that. Have you ever waited tables? <laughs> and Louis's like, you know, he does his like sheepish, like, no, you know, he's like that puppy dog. Like, I'm just trying to be a good guy. <laughs> um, and then the, the black waitress goes, well, then shut up, you asshole. Um, and so I, I do think that like their assholeness is like distinguished based on the kind of laws that they're asserting. Larry's asserting, we've said these kind of arbitrary laws, like in between, you know, code of conduct <laughs> and, and just like politeness. And Louis is like asserting like, like pretty big, like moralizing, like almost like on the verge of like woke social justice truths, like about like the hard boiled nature of the world. Like even the way he deals with parents, he moralizes about like the way that you raise your children and stuff like that. Um, So his assholeness is like really bound to like his desire to be like a good person. I I don't know. It's, it's, so I, I just wanted to establish that like their assholeness is very different one thing that's interesting is I think in both of the shows, they both end up being like kind of like the butt of a sort of persecution as a result of them becoming such an asshole uh, or being such an asshole. I think with Larry, there's always like a gleeful ecstasy about the persecution that follows after him. Like, like the show, (laughs) like some of the shows will like end with like, tons of people running after him <laughs> and, and, and him like trying, you know, and it just ends like that, you know, like the, yeah. the, there's still just the glory to his assholeness. Whereas like Louis, you, you like, you turn with him after he asserted a law and someone like slapped his face and you see him like sulk away kind of like, I was trying to make the world better. Nobody <laughs> gets it. <laughs> so I, I think there's a lot to play with there. Does anyone want to add anything about their assholeness? I think we should probably mention that large swaths of Curb are unscripted or improvised. Um, and so Larry, I guess, or the writers, I guess it's primarily Larry, will just come up with like a five page kind of outline of plot points that occur. And so that's why I think the conversations feel much more, I hate the word authentic, but real, maybe less scripted. There's less polish. Like with Louis, you can tell everything is super polished and has been through several rounds of revision. And I think that's why some of the moralizing comes off as slightly pathetic because it's like when you're in the shower after losing an argument and you're like, oh, if, I, if only I had hit him with this. But really with Louis, it's like he he loses the argument and he looks like a 
he looks like a mopey puppy. And then we're supposed to, I guess, feel sympathy for him or, and it's kind of just pathetic. I don't know. I, I, I much like the, the gung ho kind of Larry, uh, leave it all, leave it all at the conversation. Um, and I think Larry is less concerned with appearing morally correct. I think he's more concerned with just making a funny TV show. Yeah. Yeah. There is a sense that he's using us. That's, that's what I was saying before. Uh, and, uh, um, which, which, which he, which he, Louis, Louis needs us. Okay. Uh, yeah. just, just, yeah. which is the, you know, uh, it's, it's the curse of, uh, any religion that styled itself as an inversion of the religion that it came from. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> and, could I could I step in and say there's something about um, what he was canceled over for doing, which it's like to I, I think it the, the masturbation in front of other women was in some sense to confirm through their gaze that he's this pathetic piece of shit. Exactly. Who's yeah. like this disgusting man who's masturbating. That's what he was getting off at. So we become those women by viewing the show in this way to like um, look at him with such uh, disgust, which is, I think, yeah, his jouissance probably. Yeah. He gets very personal with himself and like, he really shames himself also in his standups, you know, confesses these dark things that nobody talks about. He's the only one who will defend masturbation. No, he's the only one who will get off on defending masturbation. Uh, that right. yes, uh, but not yeah. is the only one who will defend masturbation. Like the oh, fuck. That's that's so ridiculous. This is like a question I have about like the cringe factor in Louis and his relation to it because I, I think it's interesting what you're saying, uh, Andrew and and Segi. Like he he's getting off on performing this patheticness. So, so many of the episodes have like a moral stance that it really does seem like Louis stands for. And believes in the the episode that we all I think watched where that kid never goes diarrhea in, in Louis's bathtub, and then like they come out and they're like they're talking with each other, and Never's like, "Why doesn't your daughter like me?" And Louis's basically like, "Because you're a piece of shit." And the kid's like, "Well, my mom said that I can do whatever I want, and as long as I believe in myself, it's fine." And Louis's like, "Your mom's wrong," and. I feel like at those moments, those are not jokes. Those are not like trying to get us to sympathize with the patheticness of Louis. Those are like actually like Louis showing that he is like a good person and that he like will kind of give tough truths like in situation. I think that's part of his assholeness. And sometimes those tough truths make him feel pathetic and so you know because people are annoyed that he butted in like the situation with like the racism you know with the waitresses but i guess what i'm saying is i don't think that it's totally like he tries to be a good guy and it's the patheticness that he really wants like there is also an a, a real sincerity to louis moralism I, am i wrong about that like is his moralism just a ploy to become this pathetic confessional. I don't know that, that that's my question, I guess. I don't think it's a ploy. Um, no, yeah. I mean, it's not a ploy, but, but he does use, I mean, like it's, it's a, 
it it is a ploy, but it's an it's an internal ploy of a particularly co- perverted Catholic. You know, like yeah. he needs because sometimes these moments, yes, he will say no, and that will be a no, and that will be expressing like uh, you know some hard truth. And Larry David does that too. Like those are both asshole yeah. moments, and maybe we can compare them. But for him, yeah. in his episodes, he will slowly sometimes get. Uh, proven wrong and then made to feel bad for having expressed this kind of thing. And then, right. you know, having learned something, he will come out the other end, a moral person. So it's either a, yeah. a story of Bildung, of a moral like education, moral formation, or it's a story of like, uh, yeah, moralism like that. But he plays with it. That's what I'm saying. So Larry David doesn't play with it because he doesn't need it uh, beyond the assertion and like it's caught co- and what it causes. He doesn't need to use that uh, to feel, mm. you know, like better about himself. I, it was really weird. No, I, it really yeah. seemed like, like, yeah. uh, like, like, like Louis C.K. started his uh, stand-up uh, at confessionals trying to make the priest laugh. No, it is a little like that. <laughs> I, I, I want to get to, because I want to compare the stand-up. I think it's really interesting to compare his stand-up to the sanctimony that we're talking about in the show itself. But I, I want to talk about, I think, one of the, the most complex version of what we're talking about here where Louis like tries to do the right thing, then gets exposed for doing the wrong thing. And then has to like have the bill doom, like come out the other side, which is an Andy mentioned this to me as a episode he really likes where he has, where he goes and apologizes to Mark Maron. uh, Because uh, like, actually you haven't seen this episode, uh, Sagi, but Sarah Silverman is in the episode. And they're like, they're watching like old footage of Sarah Silverman, Mark Marin, and Louie on some comedy set from like 10 years before. And they look so young and they end up saying like, well, why, like, why don't you talk to Mark Marin anymore? And there's like this whole thing that there was some fight and all of a sudden, like Louie realizes, oh my God, you know, I always thought that Mark Marin insulted me and did something wrong. And so I never talked to him again and I was waiting for him to apologize. And now I realize I was in the wrong. I've been in the wrong the whole time. I'm thinking about the situation now. I, you know, so he he goes then to like a, a, apologize to Mark Marin, and it's the whole thing like just listen, Mark, just listen. And, and he goes through the whole apologizing like he's being such a good guy. He's opening up, and then Mark goes, you know, Louis, it's great what you said to me, but you know, you did the exact same thing five years ago. You came over here to apologize to me. <laughs> for the exact same thing and what you just forgot that you did it and now you came here and did it again and so you know louis has to like walk out with his you know towel between his legs and th- there is i think in that episode it's like most complete mm-hmm. kind of like a- expression of like of an intentional my goodness is pathetic mm-hmm. and the real joy i want you to see here about me is like the shame of how pathetic my attempt at goodness is. But, but I, I don't think we see that in all Louis. I, I think that like that one plays it well, but I, I think there are definitely moments in, in Louis where he's also not as, he's not weaving it together in, in such a clever way. And it, he just comes off as some sanctimonious, like kind of like pseudo woke dude. Um, yeah, that thing with the with that with the social commentary that it seems to sometimes have, which is really what provides the the most cringe for me in the in the in the TV show Louis. Um, 
like I want to say something about the characters. Like that's what I want to say before about Parker Posey's character, for example. Like he brings a character and it seems like to me that there is someone who was writing this who's trying to make a character real by just putting in imperfections and places that are kind of like sort of random and just like, and that would make them real, like dimples on the skin, make the skin look more real, uh, like texture, like, uh, sorry, stuff like that. Uh, but the problem is that because it's like, it's only limited to, uh, to the one episode that he deals in it, uh, or like one or two episodes that he deals with it. And then it can moves on to another character. The character is like, um, these remain as, as tokens. They remain as, hey, I, when thinking about this character, I noticed that there are these things, but the things don't have time to develop and to make us understand how, what they mean to the characters themselves. We only get to understand what they mean in relation to Louis. So it's almost like like a straw man with some, you know, like he picks up some some characteristics that would be strange and what would cause him a conflict. He just then meets the person. The person like think he thinks it seems the person seems real because of these blemishes, but they never let the blemishes like work themselves out. I'll give you an example of a show that does this well, that does let the imperfections come out through the narrative and then give reality to the characters is the wire in the wire. You have like a lot of very complex characters, but it comes out through the narrative and because they take the time to develop it. And this is, could relate to what you said about the comedic sequence versus the joke. It yeah. takes time to develop these things. And he doesn't have that time. He just needs the tokens because he just needs like the, the, that guilt to be released somehow, you know, in some, you know, moment of uh, triumph at the confessional uh, stand and then wipe it yeah. off uh, yeah. and then do it again. No, I think, I think you're totally right. And I think all the like kind of quirky characters that Louis meets, there's always a kind of moralism about Louis's ability to try to open up to their quirkiness. Exactly. Like, yeah. like it's very Christian, right? Like lo love thy neighbor. Like he's trying to like everyone. And, and I just saw the most, you know, this is the most famous Louis. My, my mom was like so excited about it when it came out. It's, it's called um, So Did the Fat Lady. It sets up this scene at the end where this fat woman has been asking Louis out and he's been rejecting her. And she's very funny, very charming, but she's fat. And Louis doesn't want to go out with her. And she gives this whole speech about how fat men are the real problem. I saw that now, one. It, 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 the way she says it is like, you know, a really hot guy, he'll flirt with me. But, you know, you fat guys are so worried that actually maybe we look good together and you should be with me that you won't even flirt with me. And then she says... Also that fat men, of course, they can get on the mic and they can say, oh, I'm a fat guy. I can't get girls and it's cute. And if a fat woman said that, you know, I think she says like they, they call the suicide hotline, you know. <laughs> but anyways, it's this extraordinarily sanctimonious, cringe. Oh, my God. It's yeah. such a painful thing to watch. And it, it's the same thing with like the Parker Posey and these strange characters. It's like Louis trying to open up to them trying to see 
the neighbor for what they are. He's got his biases. He's got his, you know, stereotypical behaviors. But, you know, someone breaks through, he'll listen to, to them. And he takes her hand at the end. And they, like, walk together, like, as if, like, he's given some gift to this. I mean, it's, it's like, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as if that's all she wanted. As if the, the fat girl just wanted him to hold her hand. And walk. Yeah. that's all she wanted from him. Nothing else. Nothing that yeah. would cost him anything. Nothing that would yeah. make her hurt at the end. Yeah. No, something that's very easy to give. It just happened to, yeah. that's what, what she wanted. You, you yeah. stayed away from her thinking that she wanted your soul, but really she just wanted your hand. No, she wanted your soul. What the fuck? You know, that's love. <laughs> Jake, why did you say that your mother was excited for this episode? I'm just saying that it got popular attention mm. uh, before it came out. Like people were writing a- about it in the newspaper. And I, I think I had told my mom about Louie. So she had been watching it, but then she got really excited Because this is like my mom like loving her son because he turns her on to, uh, <laughs> to certain popular cultural items that she would otherwise not discover. And when she sees them in the newspaper, she's like, oh, my God, Jake already told me about this. You're so, an yeah, analysis, uh, that, man. You know, what, what are you doing saying <laughs> stuff like that? <laughs> Now you're going to have to talk about it. What the fuck, man? You know, every time people tell me you're going to have to talk about this in analysis, it never is true. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's not true. Well, maybe it's a recommendation, not a command. I got enough stuff to talk about. <laughs> Can we maybe talk about the law a little bit more? And maybe to get to like the Jewishness and the Catholicism. I mean, I think I, 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 yeah. I have yeah. a framework. I, I can okay. start. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I was thinking about it while you were describing the, uh, and very well, uh, the, you know, Louis and Larry David, you know. Uh, I think of it as, I call it the wall and the hook. And I'm pretty sure that if you think about it a little bit, you'll see who fits where. Uh, for Larry David, the law is a wall. And that wall, you know, and, and the ripples it creates and the fact that it's put in a place that just creates conflict, you know, just like Israel did with the Palestine, with the you know, like <laughs> occupied territories. Same thing, like a wall, it just creates conflict. What are you doing? This was like a territory. Now like, you're going to have to like, you know, kill these like farms and, you know, like decide what to do with these. Like this is like a military territory. Like the, that's the Jewish way, you know, like a wall. It's clear. That's a Jewish law with a capital L, you know, like it's there. Uh, but for the Christian, it's different. The Christian will, will need the law to uh, fester inside of you, you know, like in the, in the depths of your resentiment. So like they need a hook. They need to pretend to, to, to get you to feel as if there is no law, feel as if there is only acceptance, feel as if like, you know, everything is like protected. And then through that start to make you feel, oh, but I'm not good enough. It's not the world that is not good, that there is a law to say what is good or bad in the world. It is me that is not good enough. And then I can maybe feel good if I confess and if I do these rituals and whatever Christian rituals evolved, you know, from confession onwards, um, then I can do that and feel better about myself and therefore become a better person. And uh, Would you say that the law for the Jew is external and yes. the law for the 
the Catholic is internal. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, Nietzschean ressentiment, yeah. like... Right, and, and that's... One thing I want to say about this is uh, that's why I also think that just on a to- tone level, the level of tonality, Kirby Enthusiasm is just a much lighter show. I mean, yeah. I know some people think it gets stressful when he asserts the law, but it, I, to me, it's a very playful, happy show. And it's because the law is external. It's, it's mm-hmm. It doesn't have its hook. Also, the thing about I like about the hook, Sagi, is that like the hook is in you, but it, you're also hooking the other. Exactly. Because, because that Christianity, right, is this universalizing tendency. Yeah. Where it, hails, it hails everyone into it. Yeah, he's and, hooking us. He's hooking yeah, us as viewers. Yeah. He's hooking us. Yeah. Because Larry's never really asking us to identify with him. I think everyone loves to identify with Larry. I think there's so many people who like tell their friends, oh, you're like Larry David. Or like people say I'm like Larry David. I know like my dad thinks he's like Larry David. I, he, I think he identifies Sagi, with Sa- him. Sagi has probably gotten Larry David before, you know, <laughs> like like any anyone who like ever stands up for some like quirky law, they end up being identified with Larry David. And it's like, it's a prideful position not, not in like a negative prideful way, but it's a proud position to be in. You know, I, I assert the laws I believe in and it's not like the law. If I could, maybe that's it. For Larry, right? It's like law is like plural. Like every moment, there's something lawless about Larry. W- one thing I wanted to say about Curb Your Enthusiasm in general, because I watched its whole span and it's like 13 seasons. I think at the beginning, Larry plays more of like a neurotic in like the classical sense and the laws that he asserts oftentimes come out of his neurosis. Like one of the things that he plays out a lot in the show is like his germ phobia. If he sees that like someone sneezed into their hand and then they like go to shake, you know, then he won't shake them, you know, and he'll like jump away. And, and then they'll be like, why are you so rude, Larry? And, and he'll be like, you're the one who's rude. You just shook your hand after you sneeze and uh, i think there's one ben stiller and ben's like it was a it was a dry sneeze and and larry's like how would i know that how would i know that it's a dry sneeze and and he's like even if you think it's a dry sneeze i'm sure a little bit of of sniffle came out you know like like, (laughs) and some of those laws are like neurotic but i i feel like in like the later seasons it's less and less about his neurosis and more just about him being someone who just is willing to like assert a law. I guess what I'm saying is that there is there is a way in which he goes from being a, a neur- neurotic to being a pervert in a certain way. Because he starts off by asserting the laws like obsessionally to protect himself. But then like in the later episodes, it feels like he's just gleefully asserting laws to just do whatever he wants. Just to push people out of his way. Because these scenes where he's like stealing golf clubs from uh, the dead man, you know, because yeah. he wants the good golf club, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is I, no super ego or anything, no neurosis, you know. The he revenge just, store. Just, I mean, there is he's just something. getting what he wants. Like, yeah. There is something I wanted to talk about with regards to yeah. the analysis that Andy mentioned uh, yeah. before in regards to that. Because. For the Jew, the problems for the Jewish man, you know, like Jewish man is not without his problems, you know, like, like let's not just uh, give the Christian man shit, you know. Uh, for a Jewish man, the problem is, of course, to be able to uh, tell apart the law from the, you know, the pleasure of expressing anger in a way that you know cannot be contested, in a way that is absolute, that the monotheist God allows you. 
you know, only a monotheist God mm-hmm. will allow you this kind of total way of like, you know, of belief and of like, uh, you know, like security in your phallus uh, that, that you need to maintain it. And that, um, and, but, and that causes kind of like a tease for the anger and the aggression of the man to come out uh, in a way through that as an excuse. And with Larry David, many times something makes him angry and sometimes what makes him angry not necessarily broke a law it make it broke like an emotional law for him but he still acts out on it because that's the real thing that he does he acts out on his anger sometimes it he can justify it by law but sometimes you know that's the corruption of the jewish man especially when the more he gets wealthy and comfortable i think uh the more he is uh, allowed to do that and that's the danger and that's what larry david is uh is exposed to do you mind if I just step in here? I want to bridge what Sagi and Jake just said by using an example. I believe it's the penultimate season. What's the story arc there? It's the spite store. Yeah. It's him getting pissed off oh. at Mocha Joe. And literally the whole season is him opening up a small business right next to this guy just to put him out of business. Latte Larry's. La- Latte Larry's. I mean, it's yeah. my favorite. It's probably my favorite season because it's so. It's like it's it's taking yeah this this newish Larry mold to the logical extreme, which is he'd sooner spend hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million dollars, putting this bastard out of business for what for not having the proper scones for serving lukewarm coffee. Right, and the and the table was wobbly. And the yeah, table, yeah, I got yeah, I, the table, favorite, yeah, 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 one yeah, of my favorite yeah, lines from Leon. Yeah. I've got an uncle with a wobbly leg. Can't stand that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he, um, he says no, going number two in the coffee shop. They're only yeah, urinals. Right. Yeah. But the thing is that yeah. all also these they, things they invent the new urinal too <laughs> as while they're at it. Like there's these bars that you can like. Hold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which for but. It, it, but that seems like it'd be very it, that'd be a, a a house for a lot of germs, right? If you're going to a bathroom, you gotta like hold on to squat to a hold yeah. on to bars to squat. I mean, come on. Yeah, but a lot of these um, things. What I'm saying, a lot of these like episodes that he has, these anger episodes, his outburst episode, the thing that would now like out of resentment, you're telling me like for a whole episode, he had a business. Um, whole season, whole season. Uh, sorry, a whole season. <laughs> um, <laughs> It it is a problem, you know. Like, and I really want to want to address it as a problem because we are comparing assholes, and we do need to, yeah. you know, like I need to also like offset my own prejudice because as a Jew, I, I prefer the Jewish asshole. But uh, and I really lean into into Louis. Every everyone does, right? I want yeah, to, I mean, but I want yeah. to remain. I want to remain. But Louis Louis likes it. That's what I'm saying. I want to remain yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. you know fair here, which means mm. violent in this case. Um, mm to himself in something like that about the wobbly chairs and stuff, getting that person out of business would mean sparing other people. I mean, you could put it in his mind like that, sparing other people from this, you know, from the pain of a mediocre institution, something else will come along and will be better in his mind. He could tell himself that as a justification for this uh, really like very extreme, uh, you know, expression of aggression towards this guy. And in this way, you know, there is this resist, this like a weird autism that is allowed through this new kind of law that is like somehow justified and the Jew can hide behind it. The Jewish man, I mean, 
can hide behind it because the Jewish man was responsible for the law. Uh, like he got used to like being able to hide behind that and not take responsibility for their own emotions and for their own feelings and for like, you know, how they really operate and really gave them like a justified uh, autism kind of like almost imposed, you know, educated for it, like in the men. Um, and, and like the law being used as an excuse, you know, like the law wouldn't like that. Uh, you know, so I'm saying this as like, that's the Jewish assholes, you know, there is an autism in Larry. I mean, he does yeah. like monomaniacally focus on yeah. things that like, you know, he can't. And it doesn't you know, change, you know, it doesn't change. You know. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I want to now compare the position of the law in, in Louis, but in Louis, but I want to compare it in Louis standup because I think that that's where the joke really shines for Louis because we don't think of Larry David as a stand-up comedian, he's not. And he was so very I, bad. I want to give. Yeah, he's not. He's not very good at it. Actually, I saw Louis C.K. talking about Larry stand-up, and apparently, he said it was just wild. Like Larry would just literally just shout at people, and just <laughs> like, <laughs> like he would just go crazy, <laughs> and like people would like be eating while he was like telling jokes, and he'd be just like, "What the fuck are you doing? I'm up here telling like." <laughs> and, like um, yeah, there's okay. a story that but, one time he came up, <laughs> saw like looked at the audience, and just turned back and left. <laughs> just yeah yeah there's a story like that he himself told it so i know it to be true <laughs> okay all right so two jokes they're the exact same setup for 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 louis ck they're jokes about how the only reason that he's not committing something criminal or that people don't do something criminal is because of the law so the the, the way the joke functions is to kind of like give Louis the space to fantasize about what it would be like outside the law. And all the jokes are kind of just like the details of like what that would be like. He's kind of like allowed himself to occupy this space where the law doesn't exist. And, you know, like in relation to his tension that it absolutely does. So two, two laws, two jokes. One is about fucking animals. Okay. He says, Everyone would fuck animals. It wasn't a law against them. <laughs> and the joke he tells is, he's like, you know, if I woke up one day and no humans existed, you know, and I saw like a monkey, I would just go <laughs> fuck the monkey. And he's like, okay, I mean, I know that sounds pretty extreme. I haven't really made sure that no humans exist. <laughs> it's really such a good joke, right? Because he's saying like, the law would be re released, but but also showing that like he would like it to be released even before making sure that it technically was. So that's one joke. The other joke, exact same structure, is he says that if murder was legal, there would be lots of murders. And he then says, and there would be lots of parents killing their children. And then he gives this whole detail about, you know, if you're at the mall in a world where murder is legal, there would be like these red bags where you could put your child because you killed them. And and he said like, they would be every like 10 feet, you know, like because, <laughs> because of the excess of children getting murdered at the mall. Um, I feel like those two jokes have the exact same structure. It, it is this kind of jouissance of the law, right? I mean, because like there's this whole thing about how the law gives you the possibility of jouissance. And so, 
by releasing yourself from the law, you can experience this jouissance. But I think it's the instant instantaneity of the joke that allows that jouissance for Louis, which doesn't come out when he's like the brooding good Catholic. Uh, the, the joke allows him to explore and explode in that way where the comic sequence, that's what I'm calling this other thing, doesn't allow him to do it. Yeah, exactly. I had something similar, but a lot more uh, offensive and humiliating to Louis C.K. <laughs> that I noticed that, but goes exactly on that vein. So I'm sorry, uh, Louis, but you're not listening. Thank God. Um, <laughs> Yes, I wanted to talk about that girlfriend thing that Parker Posey, uh, because yeah. it is interesting. There is a scene where, like, she makes, she brings him into a into a dressing booth, and she forces him to wear a dress uh, as a kind of a test. Uh, and then she, mm-hmm. after he yeah. wears the dress, she laughs her ass off, and then uh, you know, telling him that you know it was a test. And he and it was great. And then she leaves and lets him lets him get dressed. I I thought that that scene was very interesting. If we look at it in the lens of again, sorry, Louis, but you brought this on yourself. What he did with those women in those in that hotel room, and also what he does on the show, by the way, uh, your responsibility, Louis. Uh, what he does on the show, which he does show himself to be a perv that actually likes to really look at women from afar and just perv on them, you know, like the teachers in his like uh, kids, uh, you know, school, you see him like going through the windows and like checking out the teachers and having fantasies about the teachers. Like his crime is that he likes this, this uh, feeling of power, but also like uh, aborted sexual relation with his objects that he like, you know, spies on. Uh, because he gets off on how worthless he is, and also he gets off on being able to objectify them because it's a public space, because it's accessible space. He enjoys the anonymity of this accessible space. His later, the person we saw that he can forego that anonymity uh, and just keep the idea that they know that, and like progress to the idea that they know that he's jerking off, that they see it, and that they end up with you know like at least. Uh, they see him. Uh, they see him come. That sense of again an abortive relation. You know, it doesn't touch them. There's like this barrier, uh, and he again gets off on again how pathetic he is because you know maybe he thinks to himself, "I will never be able to be with a woman like that." That's all he needs them to do. If when she brings him into an intimate space and forces him to humiliate himself, in a way, is a reversal of what he does to these women. Except he still gets humiliated in in the process. Even to his character on the show, not just to Louis C.K., the person, for his character, to his like voyeuristic character on the show, it seems almost like a kind of a, you know, payment moment. Like here's a here is a place where you don't get to, you know, objectify and humiliate. You're, you're the one who is objectified. You're the one who is like placed in the woman's role. Uh, and this is an intimate space, and it's just me and you, and I can see you, and I can touch you, and I, and I and I choose not to do anything, but just see you do that, humiliate yourself, um, in a way, kind of like almost, you know, redeems him in a way, but only in a way that a confession would, you know, and again, instantaneous, singular, because 
if she would demand that from them in sex, let's say, from then on, then his fantasy would break because it would no longer be a confession. It would actually be like a condition and that would ruin his power fantasy on the other side with the voyeurism. Uh, so he has her have it as a test, as a, just a singular, again, punctuated moment that does not last. And that afterwards he can, you know, he can uh, do as he please. You know, he passed that test. He did that confession. He arrived at that, uh, you know, he came in his, in her, on her face, you know, he can move on. I mean, well, the, but I mean, the sinner is going to sin again. So yeah, exactly. there'll be another confession somewhere down the road for sure. But yes, it has to be in that structure. I think Sagi really hit the nail on the head there. You know, I, I, I wish I remembered this episode, but there's an episode where this structure does happen again. Uh, Pamela, who is the, you know, cute brunette uh, friend, uh, uh, you know, a fellow parent uh, who he's kind of chasing after, I think, through many of the seasons. She puts makeup on him when they're mm. in the bedroom together. Um and I, I, I don't remember it exactly. Like, I don't remember, did they actually fool around? So it would be slightly different. Like, it would be like he, you know, entered into the humiliation a little bit more than you're describing. But I, I, I just don't remember that episode. But I, I, I just want to point out that there is a return to that feminization in, in a later episode. Um, I mean, I the role I of humiliation yeah. with regards to his desire also, like, plays a yeah. part in another episode where... He goes to this benefit uh, to speak. You know, Larry, uh, Jerry Seinfeld gets him to this benefit, really screws him over by not giving him any details to make sure that he looks bad so that he will look better. Uh, and then he kind of meets, uh, like he tells his jokes, like they really don't don't fall, uh, they they don't they don't uh, carry. You know, nobody laughs except this one very gorgeous woman that he meets outside right. and that invites him. She's an astronaut's daughter. She invites him like to her place for sex, like a real, like, you know, fantasy man's fantasy. And of course, like a good Christ, little Christian, uh, you know, subject, the, this fantasy is like, punished by God as uh, immediately he uh, accidentally punches her in the eye and uh, we get to the hospital. It's a whole thing. After that, when like uh, his dad, her dad comes over and punches him in the face, so his like nose is broken. He was like all like pathetic, and her family are very wealthy and very powerful. They're gonna sue him, and he's gonna have to pay for the rest of his life, even though he's poor. They're gonna have installments. He's gonna pay five thousand dollars a month for the rest of his life, and he makes sure we know that he's very poor and he can't afford it. So really, got fucked from all sides, and then he goes back, and this girl that in the beginning of the episode told him that he hits on people too much, including her, and he should just stop. Suddenly is all over him. Oh, you poor thing. Oh, and like, you know, it really shows him so much positive attention that you see him beginning to smile and feel good. And we're supposed to take from, as the audience from that, oh, look, all he needed was just a little bit of a good attention from a woman and he would be happy. But no, that's not really what we're seeing here. I mean, that's not what I'm seeing. That's why it's such a cringe, like, Yes, the redemption. I feel like he almost you know? like he almost smiles at the camera. Like, like it's, oh, like, it's like someone. Yeah. It's like Jesus staging someone yeah. to come to uh, yeah. come hump him yeah. on the cross or yeah. something. By the way, I I just got the whole story about what happens with Pamela while you were talking. So okay, good. she tells him that she will only have sex with him if he lets her put makeup on him. 
Hmm. Uh, and he's been dying to have sex with her. So he says yes. And then he, he has the makeup on and then they're having kind of like, you know, sweet sex. And then all of a sudden she flips him over and anally penetrates him. Uh, so th- that, that, that's the, that's the whole scene. So wow. I don't know. I mean, is that a, a step beyond the, the moment you were describing in the closet with Parker Posey? I mean, yeah, it's a deeper humiliation, right? Uh, yeah, it yeah. is a step beyond. Uh, it is a step beyond. It's a deeper humiliation. That's true. You know, I guess he did something really horrible that day or something. Uh, he needed to write <laughs> that thing to uh, make himself feel better. How did he look with the makeup on? Was it like really whorish makeup or? No, I, th- I feel subtle? like actually it was like subtle. I, if mm. I remember correctly, it was subtle. Yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> like he looked sweet. <laughs> it was like. Poor him. He had to wear concealer to hide his yeah. ugly mug. God, <laughs> those freckles. I mean, you, oh yeah, you don't. You don't also like consider consider and, like consider that Parker Posey. Consider that Parker Posey scene. Like mm-hmm. a girl uh, brings you into a into a dressing room, brings a dress, and tells you that it's a test. Okay, are we really a hundred percent sure that it's a test to see that you would put the dress on, or maybe not a test to see that you wouldn't put the dress on? Like no, but for uh, for him, for his fantasy, it has to be that one, you know. Like uh, mm-hmm. that would be the test because she doesn't say what the test is. She said it's a test, and we all just assume that this is the test. But we only assume that because we're in his world. Um, but that's what that's how I would ne- see it. If a girl did that to me, and some did, that's how I would see it. If they, she said it's a test, you say <laughs> some cl- did. Cl- yep. Cliched. They try to do it all the time with me. I don't know why. Story. <laughs> Makeup. Is there women's cli- clothes. That's what I'm saying. There's something cliched about about. I guess I have a like cliche Louis, life. <laughs> Louis is trying, on some level, right, as an artist, to like show the kind of like manifold quirkiness of human nature. I think his decisions, like that one, also come off as like very stereotypical. The manic pixie dream girl, emasculating the man, playing a test. He he plays it off well, but there's also also something. I, I feel like there's something about the characters that is like dated already. Whereas I, I feel like Larry, the characters are not really how the jokes function or or how the story is told. Um, Can I make a all, diagnostic yeah. hypothesis about this Please. difference? I, would, I think I would that love, yeah. Louis, from the only episodes I've seen, which admittedly yeah. are not many, but it seems like Louis likes to have this play out with psychotic women and Larry is dating a lot of neurotic women. I, do, I can't think of many examples where like Larry is like actually like getting turned on by a woman who's just like off the fucking wall. Nuts. Andy, can you say, can, can you say a little bit about the difference in those diagnostic categories and, and why Parker Posey seemed psychotic? Like, well, yeah, I mean, in in terms, Larry, Larry wants to date women that have a similar relation to the law that he does. in the sense that like, they, they also, you know, want to kowtow to certain, you know, conventional norms or ethical principles Whereas Louis is like this wide-eyed, like, oh, you're, the way you go through the world is so unique and different and special and you don't obey yeah. the rules and you're so, uh, you know, out there and outrageous and just say whatever comes to your mind right off the bat. Like, and 
I think Larry likes a woman who can like sit down at a restaurant with him and like behave perfectly well in that environment. And like, yeah, for Louis C.K., they just tick boxes. Yeah. You know, that's why I said like these imperfections, these things, they just tick boxes. She's not a real like yeah. person. Like she's not believable. Yeah. And that's what I mean, yeah, the stereotypes I, I, of these character presentations. Right. But also, you know, it, I will just say one thing about Larry's girlfriends is that they almost, it, they almost always end the relationships when there is a law that they have a disagreement about. I mean, Wait, you mean Larry, he gets this, divorced? Well, the divorce, but after the divorce, he dates lots of women. And I feel oh, like he when he's divorced, dating lots though. of women, he gets divorced later. That's also where he becomes more of a pervert, I think. Okay. I think there's a weird yeah. thing where like he's neurotic when he's in the, the domestic bourgeois life with the with the with a woman, but then when he's like living with what's his name, Leon, uh, the yeah, JB well, Smooth, like uh, yeah, yeah, Leon. Like, with Leon, we could talk about how the black man represents, you know, like a perversion beyond the law. It, he is much freer in those episodes, and it's it's like him and Leon are like prowling the streets, just like doing whatever they want. I mean, like, yeah. like the, the yeah, bougie great. LA streets. I mean, you know, it's way it's way funnier after. After his change, I think you're right. Freed and uh, yeah. after Cheryl, I think could, I think yeah. the later ones are funnier. I have a pro Louis C.K. thing to say. Perfect. <laughs> it's just it, it's something that I saw right before with this episode today, and it it's like I think sometimes Louis trying to warm your heart, and this <laughs> succeeded. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> For me, wow! <laughs> yeah, just yeah. the cringe missed you by a hair. Let me tell you. Yeah, it was it, almost like, crazy. I, I, I missed you by hair. No, it's exactly what happened because I was like watching the scene and I'm like, oh, come on. And, and then I was like, oh, what is this feeling? <laughs> so anyways, he, he's walking on the street with a stranger. Okay. <laughs> this guy does not know him. <laughs> you think he's like talking to his analyst or something like that. But he, he's saying how, how he goes, I don't know why I got in this relationship. I loved her so much. Now she's gone. Why do we why do we even let ourselves be happy when we know we're going to be sad? And the guy's like, why 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 are you surprised? You knew this was going to happen. And Louis's like, well, I'm not surprised, but I'm too sad. And then the guy starts he's like, you're one of the most boring people I've ever met. And I, I think that like throughout Louis, there's like a lot of just random people telling him like you're the most this, you're the most boring and the biggest asshole. That you know, this is the humiliation. That, exactly, you know, that's the glory uh, yeah, of the Catholic. Yeah. Okay, but there's this one amazing line because this man then starts telling Louis that heartbreak is the love that that you have. All he goes, I haven't had my heart broken in forever. Like, I, do you know what I would give to feel heartbroken right now? That's the love you feel alive. And he goes, What the kissing and the the hugging? What you want to be a Disney ride? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no way. <laughs> no, I thought it was such a good line. <laughs> that really Aww, hit the nail on a really explosive piece of shit, and now it's all over us. Ugh. Ugh. Damn. I'm sorry, Jake. I what mean, are you sorry? I think that's a beautiful sentiment. It's not. It's not one that speaks to me at this point of my life, but. <laughs> Why? But say more. We'll say more. <laughs> well, I, I'm not. I'm not in the in the position to experience the heartbreak so so recently. 
Oh, I, so, I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't you see that this is exactly the, the melancholic nature of, of Christian love, you know, or like as Bernard Shaw said, you know, what Christian love does to love? I mean, he said it well, about anyways, uh, military I, music to music, I, but... I wanted it. I needed it. <clears throat> I, so it, it, it touched me. <laughs> okay, fine. In, in, this, in this one instance, his hook and your need uh, were coincided. But That's all I'm other saying. audiences yeah, yeah. did not yeah. did yeah. not uh, concede to this, and in other cases, you also did not concede to this. And uh, I do, I do like that. I guess uh, I do like, like a broken the, clock. This notion of like when you're at the height of love, that you're you're like playing out this fantasy of being a Disney ride. That kind of like imaginary designation of like what the high point of like the love is. I know it's funny and it felt very effective, like in, in relation to this idea. An American like, fantasy. That's what it is. It, it felt tied to my own imaginary fantasy of the heights of passion. <laughs> like, okay, I'm just confess. Well, you're American. It's okay. I'll, I'll do, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, I, what's I, wrong like, with going on a Disney ride? Uh, wrong, Disney rides can wrong. be fun. It's just specific. <laughs> no, but it's go, going on is one thing, but it was, you want to be a Disney ride. It was like the full becoming, like, like this is your one desire. You just want to, you know, it's pure jouissance, right? It's also the impossible, you know. To yeah, like, the purity of just, love in a way. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. for him, the yeah. purity of love is actually when, yeah. when it's, when it's gone, you know, the loss, the, Well, that's what this guy was trying to tell Louis. Louis didn't. This is Louis telling that, him, telling us through the right, guy. Right. Well, it's Louis. Right. It's Louis telling Come us on. through the guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know that. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I can feel it. I can feel his little fingers. You know. <laughs> I think he's got fat fingers. I, I think. Okay. Wait. I have a question. What, what, could we talk about Larry's masturbation? I mean, I talked about it a little in, bit. In, in, it, Because I mean, I mean, he masturbates his aggression by justifying it as right. law uh, to himself, yeah. but but sometimes really it's uh, it's just a justification to not realize that you know he has aggression, he has emotions, they're not rational, he has to take responsibility for them, but he avoids that responsibility based on this law excuse. So that's one way. Can I ask the question this way? Why does Larry's form of masturbation not get him canceled? Hmm. Well, maybe we could go back to the primal scene of Larry David, where we learn the origins of the pretty, pretty great. Do you know this The with the ice cream truck? Oh, tell, tell the story. I, I vaguely remember of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, we, we see a flashback. I can't remember the context of why we see that. Oh, it's probably in one of the therapy episodes, but we see yeah, the flashback of young yeah. Larry in his Brooklyn neighborhood. And then... Uh, He's kissing a, a, a cute girl in the back of an ice cream truck because I think yeah, her father yeah. is, is driving it or, or something. Yeah. And then Larry gets caught and he gets kicked out of the van naked and the whole neighborhood sees his um, genitals and, and they're pointing at him and laughing at him. And the sound of the ice cream truck in New York is what triggers this memory to recur but he before he um is exposed and humiliated like this when he's like kissing the girlfriend or his this love interest he says like pretty pretty great <laughs> and this is a common refrain of larry's that i think does speak to a particular organization of his jouissance but that there was this like um 
in this memory, right? Like this is where, you know, Larry's limits are exposed to the law and he becomes like a proper neurotic, I think, Yeah. after that. So he's not going to like <laughs> masturbate in front of women and do things without their consent. Also, because, in many ways, I think, I think he took it out of the yeah. question, like the question of his like mm-hmm. uh, satisfaction. He took it in his show. Yeah. He took it out of the question, not like Louis C.K., which makes it our business, his satisfaction, literally. Like yeah. he took it out mm-hmm. of the question because, you know, he he poses himself as Larry David, he poses himself as already wealthy. Louis C.K. is not wealthy. He poses himself as already married to a really gorgeous wife that, you know, really tries to make the marriage work despite his, uh, you know, like autism and uh, the excuses for it that she sees through at some point, you know, because every woman would see through it, you know. I remember one episode where he meets like an old girlfriend of his who's pretty sexy and him, Cheryl and him, his wife have been like having discussion about like having sex. And I mean, I think he earlier said in the episode that, you know, I'm always ready for sex. She's like, why don't you ask me to have sex? And he's like, well, I'm always ready. So just tap me on the shoulder and I'm ready to go. <laughs> she's, like, really? you know, she's like laughing at him. And she taps him on the shoulder, but he has seen this, this girlfriend. So he masturbated and he, he's like, no, I'm not in the mood. And she's like, really? I thought you're <laughs> always ready to go. Like, <laughs> and he's like, well, I kind of, and he like admits that he like masturbated. And she's like, I find it interesting that you met this beautiful girl you used to date and now you're not ready to have sex with me. And he kind of like fesses up to it. And then, he, she asks him, like, if you ever masturbate t- to me, like, you know, and, and he's like, you don't, you don't want any part of that. You don't want to be there. <laughs> I keep you out of that world. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then she kind of like tells him like not to masturbate to that girlfriend anymore. He's like, ah, she's gone. She's gone. How, I go, I'll go back to the young Sophia Loren. Okay. Like, <laughs> but he has uh, that neighbor, so, no? What's her name? Not neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like, what's her name? That that Jewish woman? I mean, that Jewish wife that he has, like that I call Jewish wife. Oh, Susie. Susie, yeah. Susie. He has Susie to fantasize about, like, in that way, right? Eventually. No, but he's, he, he, no, there's just one, he gets haunted by her in one episode. Yeah, but that like, would be like, like a sexual so fantasy. The, the, the general joke is that he just finds Susie hideous. I of mean, course, I that's, that's why he didn't marry a Jewish woman. Yeah. But but there is something yeah. there still yeah. attracts him, you know, on yeah. the visceral level. I think. Yeah, and that's yeah. this this like uh, uh, this like willingness to participate in a power struggle. You know, I think the Christian woman is not willing willingness to not willing to participate in the power struggle as a way of like you know uh, as part of the sexual you know relation. But here's a woman that, yeah. you know, that will go go head to head with them. Also, literally, you know, maybe like if the moment is right. There is like a sexual tension there. Um, the Jewish sexual tension. You find a woman that argues I, with you? Uh, I don't identify with mm-hmm. that uh, currently. <laughs> okay. Well, you know. <laughs> you, so you, you're more the Louis route? You want a well-behaved woman who? Me? <laughs> And he's talking um, to Jake. He's talking yeah. to Jake. He's talking yeah. to me. Does does Louis want a well behaved woman? Uh, Louis w- will be with anyone who lets him be with her. That that seems like Louis' standard. Yeah, he's more like a Larry. I don't recognize this 
Larry fantasizing about Susie. <laughs> Like, really? It, it, from cur- from Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, I do not see that as part of... But she's the only woman the, the, that actually, you know, like gives him, <laughs> gives him counter shit, right? Yes. And he, she's the only one he's find, afraid of. You know, he's afraid of her, right? Like, I, I sense that he is afraid of her on she, some level. He like, is. What, only what about the side here. he's reading are you objecting yeah. to, Jake? I, <laughs> I find it extremely uh, legible. I, I guess I've never seen Susie as like a sex object it, mm. for Larry in in the show. I guess, but he, but yeah. she is I'm the not ultimate repressed uh, sex object for him. I think, yeah, yeah. It, it, she she represents a, the path not taken because yeah, of the you repression. Did, he didn't go Jewish, you know, like yeah. he didn't go that route. But something calls. I can relate. Well, what you know, about I had like uh, experience. Do you guys want me just to read a little bit of Alenka Zupancic uh, for, for you uh, about the comic sequence and the joke in relation to satisfaction? Oh, yeah. yeah. Is, is, that, mm. is that something that would titillate uh, you gentlemen? Yeah, give some academic uh, credibility <laughs> to our uh, otherwise yeah. shameful. Okay. Uh, so she's talking here about the length of the comic sequence versus the length of the joke. And I'm not going through all the ins and outs here, but I, I would just say that the comic sequence has a narrative. Uh, it, 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 it takes time where there's a kind of instantaneity uh, and, and almost, it, yeah, just the, the momentary nature of the joke. And she's going to talk about the way this different sense of time relates to satisfaction, jouissance, we've been calling it. Um, okay. What is at stake, however, is not simply a question of how long something lasts. There are very long jokes and very short comic sequences, gags. The difference in temporality concerns the temporality of pleasure of, or satisfaction. A joke is always final. It always comes at the end, which is, this is the masturbatory nature of Louis, I guess. Okay. Um, which is thus also true for the pleasure satisfaction produced by jokes. At the end, we are left with a certain amount of satisfaction and what precedes it, the narrative of the joke is a preparatory phase leading to and making the final joke possible. Comic sequences are not constructed in this manner. Satisfaction usually arises at the very beginning. Instead of closing a comic sequence, it inaugurates it. It opens it up and is then kept alive with fluctuations which follow a certain rhythm during the whole sequence. Satisfaction does not conclude the game as it does in the case of jokes. It launches it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a no, great, perfect. distinct. Yeah. It's a great distinction. You know, Larry comes on scene satisfied, you know, like, and there is yeah. also the, the, the class division here too, right? He's, he's wealthy. He's the creator of Seinfeld. He's, he's just going to lunch in LA. It's all about keeping the satisfaction alive. That mm-hmm. is the comic sequence. <laughs> uh, whereas, for, for Louis, it's it's all like, I guess what I'm saying is that he doesn't have good comic sequences because <laughs> we don't see him keep any satisfaction alive. Yeah, tragic sequences. Uh, yeah, it's like, or melancholic yeah. sequences, I guess. Uh, tra- well, I that's guess. what's what's... Andy, you were going to say something about, I feel like one night you said, when will <laughs> this disease end where comedians, stand-up comedians have to make their like... 
30 minute TV show. <laughs> Does that sound like you? <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, why? But Louis was the most egregious because it was trying to be this Fellini esque, surreal, like, oh my God. Like the whole. The whole show is just masturbatory to me. It's very unsatisfying, but with some good jokes. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about Larry David, which I think is obvious, but like also I think in relation to this comic sequence and like, like telling the narrative is that almost every Curb Your Enthusiasm episode has like three or four plots that like run together and build up to a climax in like a brilliant way, Mm -hmm. like almost every episode. Yeah, and there's there's just none of that in, in <laughs> Louis. Louis are these like disconnected vignettes that tell a kind of moral tale, and there's no. I mean, there are a few. There are like I'm I'm thinking of one where the the masturbation one is maybe one example where there's a climax. Quite literally, uh, he masturbates at the end, <laughs> and he farts. Because he he says that the first time he ever masturbated, he farted when he masturbated, and <laughs> and and then this this woman who won't um, ever masturbate, she 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 takes him home and gets in like a silk robe and like tells her fantasy of like the first time she'll ever masturbate, and then he goes into the bathroom, is is jerking off, and then as the, like the the set closes, you hear him fart. <laughs> like I I, I I feel like that's the closest to like. A, a good climactic ending. <laughs> of course, it's like him jerking off. Like, um, I, yeah. you know, I just want to repeat that the joke always comes to an end. Uh, um, yeah, no, and also like, look at how how uh, how like Christian he is. Like, really, like I wouldn't remember if I farted when I masturbated for the first time because who the fuck cares? <laughs> unless you think in some way that everything is sinful and like you know that place is the most dirty and in some way like you're inserted into your brain that this should not express itself like also which will make it even worse like you're just worsening your trauma like and become an issue for you and then it becomes an issue for us because it's an issue for him you know it shows you how it skews christian this uh this narrative and how like he hooks us again with the hook uh okay one thing that i think larry uh louis joked about that has this weird truth to it and it's about the law is that he has this whole joke about how if we didn't care as much about the crime of child molestation, then we could get our children back. (laughs) That's like, that's his joke. (laughs) Like his whole joke is that like the child molesters have to kill the children because (laughs) what a crime it is. So, so if we just eased up on being uh, like offended by the crime, at least parents, <laughs> it's like the whole joke is like that this child molester would be like, I just molested your child. Where would you want me to like bring him back to? <laughs> like, do you want me to dr- drive him to like practice now? <laughs> like you would get your child back. <laughs> do they always kill them? I don't think they I mean didn't we talk about this during the Chris Hansen one it's like most abuse is done by someone you know or like yeah, a family and, member and or usually family ongoing, yeah. we talked about this yeah, yeah that is the I think 93% of, of, of sexual abuse is from someone you know yeah so let's yeah. check the percentages yeah. of like how many are killed by their relatives and see if it matches yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
This is I funny, think Dom. before we close for today, Sagi, you need to offer an apology about the From Software episode mm. that we recorded <laughs> a, a long time ago. Um, uh, okay, I, I will use and, this, uh, you know, like... Uh, yeah. this Talk about your masturbation for a little here. <clears throat> and Well, I don't want... The thing is that I don't want to spoil it because uh, we are planning uh, uh, what we call a retoss or a mulligan toss, uh, which, which are all Jake's, uh, you know, names, and I thought they were brilliant, <laughs> where we take an episode that we already have done uh, because either something happened or because, you know, something is annoying one of us and uh, we have something to say. We did this with The Merchant of Venice, I think, but, you know, we didn't really air that uh, podcast, so uh, it doesn't count. Um, so we'll do a retoss on the From Software uh, and everything that I talked about uh, against uh, Dark Souls Against sorry, against Elden Ring, uh, because you know, in my in my sins, uh, I have subsequently become uh, rather addicted to Elden Ring and Elden Ring videos and lore, and uh, very severely uh, finished the game. Like I'm in New Game Plus three by now, uh, and have deteriorated to the level of now having started Dark Souls. The one, uh, finding it uh, great, and uh, I'm like an undead Berg, uh, you know, uh, figuring a way out, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. He, he fully answered your question about his summer just now, Jesse. So <laughs> that, that, that also is, is the, way, the, the way you phrase that is so funny. <laughs> I found myself in this predicament where I'm, I'm rather addicted to every aspect of the universe cinematic video game universe <laughs> um this was a, a very fun episode um, yeah i liked it a lot i, I, yeah. I, I love i love you love you three and oh. I, I love our two listeners those of you who we know who listen to this over and over <laughs> but thanks <laughs> no well i really appreciate them i don't think that they are a listener they don't count <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> only flaming um, lips count yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. B- bye, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye. bye.